Stefan Diggs, running back holdouts. All the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Thursday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody is having a fantastic start to their Thursday. We've got a fun one in store for you here today. We're taking a quick 60-second timeout from our positional series, a positional ranking series. That's back tomorrow with Corners. We're getting to the tail end of that series. But today, some news and notes, some stories that have been trending in the world of the National Football League that we really have not gotten a chance to dive into here in-depth on this show uh, that have happened this week. The Stephon Diggs situation, a couple of running back holdouts in Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, and I've got a cool graphic that I'm going to show the uh, the live YouTube audience, and we'll have a conversation about that as well. So a pretty fun show here for you today as we do a little bit of a news and notes edition of the show. And the Stephon Diggs situation, probably the biggest story in the National Football League right now, a very odd, very weird story. Um, our resident Bills uh, fan in the chat, Sean Black, did say in the pre-show that the Diggs situation is getting way overhyped. And, and I can understand the sentiment, and I don't think I necessarily disagree but, Sean, I think you would also agree with the with the notion that this has been a very, very weird situation. It has been a very weird situation dating back to the end of the season uh, with some of the, the the cryptic messages that have kind of come out uh, from Stefan Diggs' camp. And it is it has felt like it has been a very, very weird situation between Stefan Diggs and the Bills since the end of the season. And that carried over through whatever that weird absence, being at practice, leaving practice, Sean McDermott saying he's very concerned. Then the next day, Diggs is back and everything's fine. Josh Allen's weird presser. I mean, I think even you will admit that it has been a very weird week in Buffalo land because Sean McDermott is, is normally a guy that doesn't give a lot away, doesn't give away a lot of information, doesn't give away a lot of answers. He's very stoic, um, you know, very blunt, very to the point, but but kind of does not wade into the waters of giving the media a whole lot to run with. And he kind of gave the media a whole lot to run with, with Diggs's absence in in mandatory minicamp and using the, the term very concerned. It's not something that was floated to him, um, you know, it's as a question. It was something he brought up that he was very concerned about Diggs's absence. And then 24 hours later, it's all water under the bridge, nothing to worry about. He's here. Like it just was a very, very weird 24 hours. And in isolation, I don't think it would be a big deal, but it's not as if the Stefan Diggs bills relationship has been all, you know, peachy since the end of the 2022, 2023 season for the bills. Um, and so it's something to, to keep an eye on. It's something to monitor. Um, Stefan Diggs's future in, in, in Buffalo is, is going to be something to keep an eye on. It was never going to come to a head this season. Um, I'll pull up the numbers here uh, on my other screen, but just to have the exact financials, but it would have been um, would have been an albatross for the Bills to move if they even wanted to consider uh, moving him. But but yes, the, the idea of Stefan Diggs not playing for the Buffalo Bills this year, the percentage of that was zero. Um, there, there was never a scenario in which they were going to move on from him. Um, just to give you an example, if they were to cut him post June 1, which again, I'm just giving you the information, right? They were to cut him post June one, it would be 14.3 million in dead cap um, for this season. If they were to trade him post June one, which is where we're at, it would be 13.2 million in dead money this year, and and then I think it would carry um, a dead cap hit next year as well. I think in the you know eight million dollar range. So it's one of those things where financially it would have made no sense 
They were never going to trade Stephon Diggs to an AFC team. So financially, it doesn't make sense. You'd be limiting the pool of teams that you could potentially make a trade with. It just it just logically was never going to happen. But it doesn't mean that the long-term ramifications of a guy that still has four years on his deal after this one. Stephon Diggs still under contract for 2024, 2025, 2026, and 2027. And I'm looking here right now. He's got his guaranteed salary for 2024. Um, it becomes fully guaranteed on March 19th. So pretty early into 2024, we're going to have to have um, this conversation. But for any anybody thinking that this was going to impact um, 2023, no. The, the financials never made any sense um, for that to, to be the case. But still a very weird situation. Still something um, worth monitoring and something that feels um, you know very, very weird. But again, if they were to trade him right now, it would be a uh, $13 million dead cap hit in 2023. It would actually be a $31 million dead cap hit in 2024. So financially, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but next season, uh, I think it's maybe a little bit better uh, as a pre, as a pre June one trade. They take thirty one million dollars in dead cap hit um, as a post June one trade. He's eight point eight in dead cap for twenty twenty four and twenty two point two for dead cap in twenty twenty five. So even then, it's not really movable um, each of the next two seasons. Really, where you'd have to get out of this is um, is twenty twenty five. Truly, just you know, with a twenty two million dollar dead cap hit. But yeah, the contract's not really in a place for it to be. Um, moved. And so I think that would be the the thing that I that my big takeaway from this is that yes, it was a weird week. Yes, there are some things that concern me. Yes, I would worry about the long-term future of Stefan Diggs in Buffalo, but it was never going to impact 2023. It was just very weird to see the way Sean McDermott handled it. It was weird to see not the way Josh Allen handled it, but to it was weird some of the comments that Josh Allen made um made me feel you know just weird and odd about this. And um, Sean says in the chat, I think it was a combination of him just being upset about how the season ended, his production dipped substantially once Josh Allen hurt his elbow, and his wide receiver coach getting let go. Not the way I would have handled it, though. They obviously did not have the hard conversation until now. Uh, McDermott blowing it was super odd. Yeah, blowing it off was super odd. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, McDermott is the is the key to this chess board that I didn't understand, right? I underst- I could understand Diggs' frustration being upset the way the season ended, being upset that, you know, they're trying to break through and win a Super Bowl and it ultimately didn't get to that point. I can understand that. Um, I can understand of being upset about your production. All those things are, are things that I can conceivably get my head around. I couldn't get my head around the way Sean McDermott chose to handle it on that first day. And so I don't want to put too much into this. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know um, what conversations have been had. But again, I, I thought it was a newsworthy story for us to kind of touch on here on the show. And my thoughts are, I would, I would, I would file it away. It's something to keep an eye on. It was a weird week. It was a weird way that it was handled. Um, but I don't think it's going to change the way I feel about the Buffalo Bills going into 2023. Now, now I'm, now I'm not as high on the Buffalo Bills as other people are for 2023. But they're still a team that is, you know, probably the favorites in their division. They're one of the teams you got to keep an eye on in the AFC. Um, and what happened this week doesn't necessarily change that. Bailey says, I do think this is just part of the Diggs experience. He is a bit erratic and will have these issues. Um, but he is such a stud; it makes it all worth it. I mean, if McDermott did not say um, that he was very concerned or we even talking about this, uh, Sean, I don't think so. I don't think a just a, an absence at mandatory minicamp would would have warranted um, this level of reaction. But I think because McDermott is so good at that, he's so good at not putting attention onto things. He's so good at not saying the wrong thing that when he does say something that's noteworthy, when he does say something that's newsworthy, and we had the context of the way the season ended, we have the context of it not being a perfect situation, I think it turned up the octave a little bit, and it turned it up uh, to a 12. But again, my big takeaway from this is I filed away. I think it's a storyline for the 2023 offseason, the 2024 offseason. 
Um, but it's not something that I think is going to have a major impact here on the 2023 Bills. What could have an impact on some 2023 teams are these holdouts that current that running backs are currently having, and those two running backs being Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, both who, of whom uh, got the franchise tag placed on them by their respective teams, the Raiders and the Giants. And I, I think when we look at this, I'm not surprised that this is the path that both of these running backs are taking. I mean, uh, was it Josh? I think it was Josh who said that there was some collusion going around to keep the running backs, um, you know, underpaid because they they tagged Tony Pollard, they tagged Zeke, uh, they tagged um, Josh Jacobs, they tagged Saquon Barkley. Um, those three running backs got tagged, um, and Josh kind of made the, the 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 statement that it was kind of collusion uh, that the NFL owners were colluding against these running backs in order to suppress. Uh, their dollar amounts to suppress their salaries. And look, I think going into this offseason, we knew that, and I want to look at these cases individually. We knew that the New York Giants were going to sign one of Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley to a long-term contract extension and tag the other one as a stopgap method to be able to work out a long-term extension down the road, right? That was always the plan. Can't tag both guys. They want both guys on their team. Both guys were incredibly um, crucial to the success that this team had in 2022 in order to make the surprising run to the playoffs. And so the the 2023 Giants were always going to have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley on their roster. It was just what path were the Giants going to take? Were they going to prioritize getting a Saquon Barkley deal done first and then tag Jones and work out a deal later? Or were they going to um, you know tag uh, tag Barkley and get a deal done with Jones because they wanted to make sure that when the tag deadline came that they had an answer on both guys that one guy was signed to a contract and one guy had the franchise tag on them so they did not potentially have either of those guys flirt with free agency and so the path that the Giants ultimately chose and I think it was the right one all things considered was they got the long-term deal worked out with Daniel Jones worked out the long-term deal with their quarterback and it's not a super long-term deal it's a kind of a medium-term deal for the next couple of seasons they have their quarterback kind of lined up and they franchise they put the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley giving them an opportunity they still got plenty of plenty of time they've got weeks like a month or two to be able to work out a long-term uh, contract extension with Saquon Barkley and I fully anticipate them doing so Saquon Barkley holding out while waiting for that long-term deal is just part of the way that this goes no player that's under the franchise tag and who hasn't signed the franchise tag yet isn't going to show up to a camp where there's an opportunity to get hurt. And I think when you look at, I mean, I'll just use the Jets as an example because they just had an injury happen to them recently that's fresh in my mind. They got they just traded for Chuck Clark in this past offseason. And he gets hurt um, and t- tears his ACL reportedly and is more than likely going to have to miss the season. If you're Saquon Barkley and you're working out a long-term deal, and you haven't signed the franchise tag yet, are you going to put yourself at risk? No, you're going to let the process play out. And I think the Giants knew that this was going to happen. I think Saquon Barkley knew this was going to happen. And so this is just the cost of doing business this way. And I think the Giants had to very full well know that once they put the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley, that a guy at a position that is not paid you know, very well, comparatively, running backs don't get paid very well. Um, a, a guy that has had an injury history that has missed some time, he's not going to put himself at risk. If he goes out there and gets hurt in, in you know, minicamp, or in OTAs, or whatever the case may be, and now the Giants are going to you know, not have him for a year, that long-term deal looks completely different. And so from both sides, I think it makes total sense. I think they'll ultimately get a deal done. They'll find a way to, 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 to get this done. And if not, I think Saquon Barkley will just play on the franchise tag. I do not think, I think everybody learned from what Le'Veon Bell did. I think everybody learned from the, the disaster that that decision ultimately ended up being for Le'Veon Bell. And I do not see a player doing that. Um, 
I, I do see a player taking this up until the last possible second in order to get a deal done. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. Um, and I think the same thing is happening in Vegas with Josh Jacobs. Now, the interesting thing with Jacobs is going into the 2022 season, I thought it was all but assured that Josh Jacobs w- would have been playing elsewhere in 2023. Um, I thought that with the way that he was used in the Hall of Fame game, um, the way that Josh McDaniels talked about him, I, I just thought the the statistical history of Josh Jacobs that he was going to be playing elsewhere this season, and he played really well for them in 2022, and I think ultimately kind of forced their hand here um, with being one of the few remaining good players that they still have left on that team as they kind of go through this transition. Derek Carr is gone. They trade Darren Waller. I mean, look, the team looks a lot different. They still got Devontae Adams, but the team looks a lot different at quarterback. One of your key offensive players is gone. Like, team just team's different. Team's, you know, gone, undergone some, some overhaul. Jimmy G's in there at quarterback, and so it's just different. And so I think having somebody that the fans, you know, can um, – can rally around a guy that's been there for a while, a guy that's been their guy um, is something that, that I think was valuable to them. And um, I think very similarly to the way I feel about the Saquon Barkley situation, I feel about the Josh Jacobs situation. I don't see either of these guys sitting out the 2023 season. Um, I don't see them letting this linger into the regular season. Are they going to take it up until the absolute maximum second? Um, the, the last second in order to get a deal done. Yeah. I think both guys are going to do that. Um, and, you know, th- this time between when the tag was put on a player and a long-term deal gets done or they just sign the franchise tag is that weird time where you go through the roller coaster of emotions if you're a fan of either of these teams and you worry about whether or not that player is going to play for you. But I think you got to step back and take the 30,000-foot view of more than likely how uh, things are going to get done. Dylan asks, who would benefit more by paying their current running back, the Giants or the Raiders? The Giants, 100%. The Giants, 100%. I, I, the, the, here's why. I think Saquon Barkley matters more to the way the Giants are currently constructed than I do the way the Raiders are going to run their team with Josh McDaniels and have with Josh McDaniels. I think what you've seen in Josh McDaniels is a direct, you know, we saw all those teams in New England that he, the offenses that he ran, you didn't need a star running back. He was able to get it done, piecemealing it together with a bunch of guys. And so for me, I think it's very important that the Giants have Saquon Barkley because I think as he goes, they go. Um, you know, there are some limitations with Daniel Jones, and their offense is just so predicated with Saquon Barkley being able to open things up in the in the passing game because you just have to account for Saquon in the backfield. So for me, it would be the Giants. Uh, Dylan says their window is right now based on the roster construction. Vegas has time to slow play, so I agree with you. I mean, that's another layer to it, right? I mean, I know they brought in Jimmy G, but this Raiders roster isn't very good statistically. Um, you know, for us in our positional rankings, they're ranking towards the bottom in most of the categories. Um, so when you look at where they're at, I still think they're doing a rebuild. The Giants were a playoff team last year. And I think, you know, whether or not they win the same amount of games as they did a year ago, whether or not the expectations are to be a playoff team or not, the New York market demands a lot out of a football team. And the New York market is going to see that Brian Dable came in in his first year and got Danny Dimes, got Daniel Jones to a point where he was playing some pretty good football, got this team to playing some really good team football. They were just battling. They were grinding it out for four quarters every single week. They were making it difficult for you. And the fan base in New York is going to expect that again of the New York Giants. They're not going to expect that this team's going to take a step backwards. They expect this team to be just as relevant as they were a year ago. They expect this team to be just as good as they were a year ago. And they made investments in the draft to be able to add to this team, made some investments on the offensive line with John Michael Schmitz, uh, invested in the corner room with Deontay Banks. I mean, they've got players. 
they they have gone out there and have some some overhauled this team to where the fan base is going to expect them um, to be competitive and to be relevant. And so Saquon Barkley is a big piece of that. So if you had to if I had to answer that question, um, who would benefit more? It's the Giants because I think Saquon Barkley is more of the Giants' identity offensively than Josh Jacobs would be uh, in the Raiders, considering. Uh, the coaching staff. So uh, again, I think both both things get done. I think both players play for their team next season, whether it's not uh, whether it's under long term deals. If you'd ask me which player gets a long term deal, and I can only pick one, I would pick Saquon. I think the Raiders are incredibly comfortable um, having Jacobs play on another prove it year, one year franchise tag, and let it play out. Um, I think the Giants are much more willing to get a long term deal done with Saquon. Um, if I had to to guess between the two. Um, okay, I have a chart for everybody that I want to close the show with. So just give me two seconds, and I will pull this up, and we can have this conversation. I just need to um, get this in a place where it can be shared, and I think we are okay. Um, hopefully, you guys can see this. It is loading. Give me a second. I have to uh, get the – yeah, there we go. Okay. So this is from uh, Jason at OverTheCap.com. He put this chart together, and I'm blocking one team. I'm blocking the Chargers. The Chargers are are, are right above my um, little my little box. Actually, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll shrink myself down a little bit. Give me a second here. You guys can see the the whole chart. Okay, this this is better. So this chart here, it was put together by Jason at OverTheCap.com, and along the bottom is uh, the 2024 cap room with carryover per team. So if you're over um, to the right side of the uh, the line that goes um, vertically. That means you have uh, lots of cap space for 2024. Um, if you're to the left, it means you're you have little cap space to um, negative cap space in 2024. And then your horizontal line is. And let me just make sure I read this perspective. Read this um, correctly. 2024 unrestricted free agents 30 plus uh, 30 percent plus snaps in 2022, meaning that these teams have players. Um, in 2024 unrestricted free agency uh, that had 30% or more snaps for them um, in 2022. And so what you'll see is if you're above the horizontal line, that means you have a lot of players who played a decent amount of snaps for you. that are going to be unrestricted free agents in um, 2024. And if you are down below, that means you have a, a limited number of players who were decent contributors to major contributors for you um, that are going to be free agents. And so what you will see is the teams that are in the top left are the teams with the least amount of cap space in 2024 and the most amount of players that are going to be unrestricted free agents in 2024 that have been decent to major contributors. And so you, we would define that as win now. And what my big takeaway from looking at this list was is look at the three teams in the AFC East that are just sitting on top of each other, that being the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. And we have all talked about how we have thought that that is going to be a three-team battle to win this, uh, to win this division. If you don't think those three teams are all in and those three teams are completely in a window where they are just going to battle it out and their rosters are in a place where they are really trying to go for it in 2023, um, this this tells you that they are. Some other teams that are close, that are kind of you know in this group, you've got the Baltimore Ravens who are kind of in there. The Seahawks are kind of flirting with the line. The Browns are kind of flirting with the line. The big thing here is the teams in the upper, uh, the upper right uh, quadrant, the top right. And Jason has a tweet thread, and I'll read it to you here. Uh, teams in the top left quadrant, which we just talked about, are really all in for this year. Bad cap position for 2024 and expected roster turnover. Teams in the bottom left also don't have a lot riding on the season, but don't have a ton of turnover, so they can run it back easier with restructures. And I think teams that you look at in this in this class that um, you should keep an eye on will be the 49ers, the Saints. I think the Chargers are in here as well. I would keep an eye on. Um 
the Jags, teams that are kind of middling teams that could be sleeper playoff teams, could make some runs. You know, these are teams that I'm keeping an eye on here. Uh, teams in the top right are in strong position with the cap next year and can decide between free agency or extending their own. Uh, teams in the bottom right are the ones who are likely to be active in free agency or with early extensions in 2024. Uh, Bailey says also with the Texans and Bears specifically, I think a lot of those free agents that started this year might become backups um, already uh, this year, so aren't losing too much. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing here that you look at in this bottom right quadrant, right, is you've got the Bengals who are going to pay Burrow here pretty soon and they're going to have to pay Chase pretty soon. So that's where a lot of their money is going to go. Um, the Lions are a team that really kind of give me some some confidence with where they sit. But then I love, you know, we talk about building the right way and I've been critical of the Bears and I still think they're kind of doing things incorrectly, but they've got a ton of cap space and they've got players that are going to become unrestricted free agents. So they can choose to bring those guys back or they can just completely kind of cut bait and move on. Um, the Texans are in there. Would scare the it would scare it would scare me if I was a team in the NFC to see the Philadelphia Eagles in this quadrant to have this level of cap space and to have this kind of flexibility would scare me. Uh, do the Lions get out in front of a golf extension? They might, they might, and that's kind of one of the things that having being in this kind of situation could provide for you is that you could make those kinds of determinations, right? Look at the Cardinals. Look at what Monty Austinfort has kind of inherited and kind of already done some of the groundwork on. They've they're pay, they've paid Kyler already, and they're consider they're in a space where they've got. Um, $90 million, and they don't have a ton of guys that are going to be walking out the door that were major contributors for them in 2024. So they can work out extensions with players if they want, or they can be extremely active in free agency and go out and fix some team and fix their team very, very quickly. And so, you know, this is a this is a clump of teams here, the, the Cardinals, the Bengals, and the Lions, that I would classify in three different tiers of where they currently sit. Um, but three teams that are going to be, I think, extremely, extremely active um, in the transaction um, you know, wire in 2024 very, very quickly, whether it is through extensions or whether it is through free agency. I think the Cardinals and Lions would be teams to keep on, would be keep, to to keep an eye on ahead of free agency, where the Bengals, I think, are going to be working out those long-term extensions with some of their big players. But I saw this chart. I thought, thought it would be interesting. Um, I thought it was fascinating to see the teams that find themselves in this top right quadrant um, that have the roster turnover and are going to have a lot of cap space to be able to operate in 2024. Uh, none of the NFC East are really all in, despite it being uh, considered a strong division. Yeah, I mean, you've got the Eagles in a good position with cap space um, and roster turnover. You've got the Cowboys kind of flirting around the, the, the exact middle point of this of this chart. Um, the Giants, again, also with the, the Eagles and the Commanders in that top right quadrant as well. Um, you know, they can decide if they want to bring players back. And if those players aren't, you know, good enough for them and they want to move in a different direction, they've got a ton of cap space to be able to replace those players. So it's a nice position to be in. I talk about flexibility uh, pretty regularly on the show about teams that are that find themselves in in an opportunity to be flexible, to take every opportunity that comes in front of them and to be able to actually entertain those possibilities. Um, th those teams are very dangerous when it comes to the free agent market and the offseason uh, at large. So thought that chart was pretty cool. Thought I would share it here to close out this show. And uh, that is how we are going to close out this show. We've got one more show in the books this week, the positional rankings. We're doing the cornerback room uh, tomorrow here on the show as we get closer and closer to filling out uh, the actual list. And I shared it in the post show yesterday as a surprise, but we have a chart ro uh, rolling now. We have a Google Sheet rolling where I'm inputting all of the data in real time, and we are getting an average, a cumulative average of where these teams' position groups ultimately end up, and it will kind of give us our first uh, power rankings for 2023, how I, v uh, how I view these teams Um, um going into the 2023 season. Taylor B says, I don't know what being low on the vertical axis means. Um, so it means real quick to, before we get out of here, it means that they have um, only a few players 
that are going to be unrestricted free agents in 2024 that played 30% or more snaps in 2022. And so think of it as a player who's playing a, a decent amount, at least, at, at worst, um, if not a player that's maybe playing 70 or 80% of snaps. So if you're lower on the list, if you're lower on that vertical axis, that means you don't have a lot of players that you have uh, that are decent contributors for you that are going to become free agents. And so if you pair that with having a ton of cap space, like let's say the Bengals, Cardinals, and Lions do, um, it gives you ultimate flexibility to work out extensions. It gives you ultimate flexibility to go out in free agency. Um, and if you're in the top right, where you maybe have a little bit more in terms of players that are going to be unrestricted free agents that are were, were key contributors for you, 30% or more snaps in 2022, you can go one of two ways. Because you have so much cap space, you can choose to bring those guys back if you want, and you have the cap space to do so, or you have the roster turnover that you can use that cap space on in general. So you want to be in, on those two sides of the of the chart, in my opinion. But yeah, they're just different ways to kind of um, team build, and, and it shows where different teams are at in their life cycle. Um, but I shared this in the in the, in the post show yesterday, but we have that Google Sheet rolling, and we have the cumulative average, so it'll give us our first power rankings for these teams when we finish this positional series um, here in the 2023 offseason. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We greatly do appreciate it. It helps us out a ton here. Continue to grow this show. Um, continue to grow the momentum here in the summertime. We're getting ever so close uh, to preseason games, to regular season games, and, and cannot wait uh, to be sharing uh, the these airwaves with you, uh, the video screen with you here on the YouTube side of things uh, for the football season should be a lot of fun. Really going to be our first full season with TD and Daily in the football season. Um, we shared, we started this show in this format with me um, in October, doing it in an audio format. We've gone to the video format here in the offseason, so this will be the first time that we'll be able to gather each and every day of the week here live on YouTube during the football season. And so I cannot wait for the conversations that we're going to have uh, during that season, so it should be a lot of fun. You can catch us on the YouTube side of things Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch the live YouTube version. You can be a part of the chat. You can be a part of the show, the pre-show, and the post-show. If you want to catch us on demand, you can always do so afterwards. YouTube Music. Uh, we are live in the YouTube Music app as a podcast. You can see the video version there as well, or you can just listen to the audio version if you'd like, but the full uncut version of the show uh, is there as well. So if you're a user, a subscriber to YouTube Music, the TDN Daily Podcast is there for you to consume uh, as well. But I appreciate everybody making this show a part of their day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.